thousand feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top floor. Three oars rip right round your jugular. 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 You're listening to Feminist Killjoys PhD, an hour of pop culture, politics, and feminism, told by two feminist killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing a whole bunch of stuff about me and Melody. You're going to learn more about us. Yeah. Learning more about Melody and Rachel. Yay. That was, that was a clunky intro. Uh, but yeah, we're just, we're going to talk about um, you're just going to learn more about us today and we're just going to talk and it's going to be fun. Um, where can our listeners find us on the internet, Melody? Oh my goodness. Twitter at FKJ mm-hmm. underscore PhD. Follow us there. Facebook, just search for us. We have a website, feministkilljoyspodcast.com, where you can see all of the archives of our episodes. We're on iTunes. Leave us a review. I think that's all the interneting we've done. We have a new review. Can I? Um, Yay! I yes, and I have to say something about postcards. Don't let me forget. Okay. Um, oh, say something about postcards now because I don't have the review up right now. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> since Rachel is not prepared for this um, <laughs> really important episode, um, I will say thank you so much to the people who have uh, generously donated money for coffee, tea, my rage medicine, um, hosting costs, microphones, all that good stuff. Uh, and I, we're sending out postcards to people who have sent in donations. So if you would like to donate, your bonus is getting a really rad postcard from us. Mm-hmm. And those have that have donated already, keep an eye on your mailbox because I just sent out a bunch of them this week. So thank you so, so much. Yeah, I want to give a shout out because I know one of the more recent donors was um, my friend Emily DeVoe. Thank you, Emily D. You rule. Um, and thank you to Melissa Zimdars, another friend of mine, also known as Mish, who wrote us a review and said, this podcast is smart, insightful, and simply wonderful. Mish, you rock. Thank you. Thanks, Mish. Cool. All right. Um, yeah. And if you want a postcard, you can donate on the website. Um, if you want to leave a review and be mentioned on air, you can leave a review and please subscribe as well on iTunes. Cool. Uh, how's it. it going? Let's do some it's, just general check-ins. Yeah, it's going good. Um, I've had a really busy, good week. Um, I'll mention one thing first because my partner is pouring me a glass of wine, which I don't usually drink, Melody, when we're when we're recording. Oh lord. Um, no, I'm fine. I'm I totally know. Fine. <laughs> um, but I. Uh, yeah, so we are sharing a glass of wine. Yeah, my partner surprised me. My partner doesn't live in the same city as me right now, um, so we're long distance, and he was supposed to come and visit uh, on Monday, but uh, I was driving home from a really long day. I hurt my back. I got a really bad back injury this week, so I was, like, driving home from a long day. I was injured. I was like, I'm going to stop at Whole Foods and, like, get some comfort food, and he's like, okay, just let me know when you're there so I know you're, like, not driving in the car anymore. Mm-hmm. And I walk in the grocery store and I'm still talking to him on the phone and I'm like, I don't know what I want. And he's like, well, like, you know, what aisle are you in now? What are you looking at? 
and I'm like describing the aisle I'm in, and all of a sudden he like walks up right beside me. <gasps> oh my god! And I like drops my phone. It was very dramatic and cute. So, oh so yeah, my I came god. a couple days early, and that was really nice because I, it was you know it was it was just a long week with an injury and um, things like that. So yeah, so that was fun. So he's here, and we have a lot of fun. Well, some fun stuff planned, but mostly a lot of work and busy, busy kind of things to do. Um, but, but it's good. So that was good. Um, I'll just do some other brief. Can I just keep going on just a couple other brief things? Do your thing. Hear about yeah. your week. Um, the thing I was coming home from that day was a retirement party for the retiring faculty at the school that I work at. And one of the people retiring is the chair of the gender studies department. And she's just a magical woman. Her name is Gordine McKenzie and she and her partner, partner, Nancy are just this like queer power couple. Nancy is a trans woman who is just like a warrior. She was in like the uh, lavender, lavender menace. I think that was called trans. Yeah. No, that's or transgender menace. I'll have to double check that, but I'll link to her because she's amazing. Okay. And she does amazing like trans activist stuff. And she and Maureen are like at the state house all the time, protest, whether it's like bathroom-esque bills or whatever the case may be. They're just like warriors for queer and trans rights. And Gordine and is just amazing. And she's like super woo-woo and uh, like, you know, I think is a little bit of a witch and like in like an amazing <laughs> way. And it's just so awesome to like have that kind of energy in, in academia because you don't really get that a lot. So I got to hang out with her and her partner and other gender studies people at this retirement dinner and um, and so that was really lovely. And yeah, and then Logan came into town, that was cool. And then another really cool thing I did was um, I work with this youth group in Lawrence, Massachusetts, which is a primarily um, Latino neighborhood in Massachusetts. And uh, this youth center invited me to like facilitate like a discussion about, um, a mo- they do a film series and they invited me to facilitate a discussion. And this was um, also for the Day of Silence, the actual Day of Silence, uh, which was November, or not November, uh, April 15th. And um, so we had this discussion after we watched a film and these kids are just so inspiring. And I don't usually get to work with people under the age of 18. And because I don't think that I'm very good with people under the age of 18, but these kids are just so cool and so smart and so engaged and honestly like way more engaged than most college classes I teach. And like, it was just so cool and so inspiring. And one of the youth there is 14 years old and he's been out of the closet since he was 13 and he's like fabulous and beautiful and Brown. And I just want to hug him and tell him he's loved and wonderful and it was just a lovely, a lovely evening. So that was cool. That sounds great. What an yeah. uplifting, you have wonderful, up, uplifting, positive updates about your life. I do. That's great. It was, yeah, I do. Other than my back injury, it was a really good week. So that was good. Good. Um, what about you? I have one positive, one negative. Okay, Update. let's hear them. Which one should I do first? Uh, let's end on a good note. What's your negative? Oh, okay. My negative is... Um, Oh, I went salsa dancing with uh for my my a new friend of mine um for his birthday and salsa have you been salsa dancing before Rachel? I never have. Okay, it is strain it's not the heavy gender roles, let me tell you that. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we went to like a real salsa bar, salsa club in Minneapolis. And I love the dancing part of it. And it's partner dancing. Mm-hmm. And so um, my friend whose birthday it was, he taught us like the basic moves, which was really helpful. But then once the club got going, like random dudes just come up to you mm-hmm. and ask you to dance, like as mm-hmm. if that's normal. Which right. it is in that in that culture, right? So I was like mm-hmm. sitting there as like a uh, anthropologist, just observing mm-hmm. everything, you know. So, like you're to be clear, you're talking about like salsa dancing culture, yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. So, so very specific yeah. salsa dancing culture. Yeah. If you go to a yeah. like if you go to a hip hop club, right? There's dancing norms there right. that I'm more familiar with. Right. Or like we were talking about queer clubs and like the dancing right. norms there. So in this space, you know, men will just approach women and ask them to dance yep and so i had to just say no thank you i was only dancing with my male friend who i knew like just because i don't really know how to salsa dance it wasn't my culture i just was trying to like kind of stay Mm -hmm. you know kind of out of out of the spotlight or i don't Mm -hmm. know but anyways what was also interesting is that like the women i was with a lot of women and we didn't like ask each other to dance like i Mm -hmm. tried to dance with a few women but they like didn't really want to do it um, yeah. So they were like hesitant to break the gender roles. Right. Um, and right. I saw one queer person who was androgynous and I kept looking okay. at them like, you can ask me to dance. But right, right. that didn't like <laughs> go. That didn't yeah. happen. Um, so I was just dancing with my my friend. Um, but then uh, the bad thing happened. So I. Oh, you know what? Before I say the bad thing. Um, one of his friends that was there, I was just chatting him up at the bar and he's randomly in town. He's a union organizer for fight for oh, 15. Cool. I was, he's like, Oh, I'm in town from Maryland. I was like, Oh, what are you doing here? And it was really loud. And I could, he kept saying fight for 15. I was like, no way. And so you're just talking about union organizing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, um, anyways, uh, so, uh, my friend for whatever reason um was having dollar bills thrown at him so his his friend brought in dollar bills and we were throwing them mm-hmm. and and i bent down to pick up a a you know a huge chunk of dollar bills to throw at him and i stood up yeah. and this guy who was in our birthday cr- crew said you better not bend over anymore or i'm going to have to smack your ass oh god ugh uh, uh, and so i just like Okay, so this is, like, during my friend's birthday dance, you know? So right. I wasn't going to, like, punch him in the face there. Right. So what I did is I just sat down on the ground and just collected dollar bills and started throwing them up from the ground, you know? Because <laughs> I was... Good. Good. Well, yeah. because, yeah. like, fuck that. And yeah. I was going to continue to throw these dollar bills. And so right. I just sat on the ground and did it, you know? Um, yeah. And then... Ugh, so sorry. Yeah. Such... And... Ugh. You know, I honestly would have expected it from, like, a stranger there, you know, right. but because, like... But not somebody as part of that, especially knowing right a, a little about your friend. Yeah, like, so he comes... Seems like a really cool down, you know, feminist guy, so... Totally, yeah, and that's, yeah. like, you know, why I want to be his friend, and he seems like a really right. cool person, and so I didn't expect any of that from his crew. I was like, oh, this is going to be a safe space for me to go out. I already get anxious going out anyways. I was by myself. My yoga friends had left, you know, and so I was like hanging out with the women. And then I was like, really from this group? So what I did is I actually emailed my friend and I told him about it and I'm waiting to hear back like his response, which I'll be curious to hear what it is because I wasn't going to let that 
just happen. And because I feel like if one of my friends said something inappropriate to one of my other friends, I would want to know, you know, right. Right. Um, and I don't know their relationship. I don't know anything about this guy. Um, so we'll see, but that was shitty. And then I just kind of left. So that's a bummer. Yeah. I'm so sorry. But I'm proud it of you happens. for going. I mean, I know that's not easy to go to places that you don't know a lot of people. And so I'm, I'm sorry that it had that bad, horrible thing happen. But it's cool you went. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was good for most of the time. Good. So I did good. I integrated and talked to people. and Yeah. So and then my positive check-in is I screened this documentary in my class called The Mask You Live In, which is all about mm-hmm. masculinity in the in U.S. society with mm-hmm. some ties to media, but not totally. But we were talking about it in my class because um, I have a very boisterous class in the afternoon, which I like love. I think it's like my favorite class of all time. Like, it's yeah. just amazing. I just love them so much. And, you know, we had been talking about how a lot of our focus of discussion was on women and people of color, men and women. Um, but we didn't dig into masculinity too much. You know, if we did talk about mm-hmm. men of color, it was just basically like their race wasn't being represented. You know, we didn't talk okay. about the yeah. perils of masculinity and how damaging it is. Yeah. And so... I offered up, we had a documentary day and I said, okay, here are your three options. You know, you can watch Killing Us Softly, The Persuaders, or The Masculine. And I showed them clips from all of them and they overwhelmingly decided to watch The Masculine. So I've never screened this in class. I've watched it. Mm -hmm. And to Mm -hmm. me, it's, it moves me, but I'm a woman. And so it doesn't move me in the way that it would move men. Right. And we watched it. We couldn't even finish it, but we had to stop um, midway for a tornado drill and all the students were like can I get a copy of this like yeah and they were just like wanting to watch more 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 I was like all right we'll watch more and then we I stopped it with like four minutes of class left because I wanted to at least debrief a little bit but I knew that they wanted to watch it really bad Mm -hmm. this was before I realized it was on Netflix which is not common for educational documentaries to be so it's on Netflix for all you listeners but um I stopped it and then like people just started sharing their stories. They're like that because it's all about how men are told to, you know, man up, be a man, don't express your emotions and then how it gets all bottled up. And then they, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word they break. They like use their anger more to uh, talk about that's how they express their feelings when they're really sad or something. And uh, then my students are like, oh, yeah, 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 that's totally accurate. Like, that is how I grew up. And then my other student was like, you know why I wear these shoes? And he pointed to his shoes. He's like, because everybody used to call me short. And so now I only wear these shoes because they make me taller. And they're also a weapon. And then this other student was talking about how her brother, they were showing a couple. One theme was that, like, boys really struggle when their fathers aren't around, like if they get incarcerated or are just not there, um, yeah. which I 
the framework on that is a little, I don't want that myth, you know, to be perpetuated that not having a father means that you cannot right. grow up to be a strong man right. or a sensitive man or whatever. But some of these kids got in some, some big trouble with drugs and yep. they didn't know what to do. They didn't have anybody to talk to. So then they turned right. to all these. And I guess one of my students, her brother was doing the same exact thing at home and it like clicked for her about why. Yeah. And it was just like, whoa, like. That's amazing. That sounds really transformative. Yeah, I just wasn't prepared for it as a teacher, and I right. don't talk, I don't teach masculinity all that much, so yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, and uh, um, like, I wasn't yeah. really sure how to facilitate, but I just let people talk, and they did, and yeah. we'll talk about it next week, and we can finish watching the documentary and stuff, but it was, um, yeah. for all you educators listening, the mask you live in, even if it doesn't apply to course content, which in my class it really didn't, I was like, whoa. This is advertising yeah. week, but you all really want yeah. to watch. It was like, imp- like it, it was, it is worth canceling a lesson to like screen this just to yeah. get people to talk. Cause clearly they don't have the space to talk about these things. Right. So. That's great to know. Um, thanks for sharing that. I'm glad it was a good experience for them. Yeah. Cool. So that's my check in. Great. Sounds like a mostly good week. Yeah. Overall, I had a good week. Yeah. If I'd have to rate it. Cool. Um, so we want to bring back this recurring segment that we attempted to do once. We sort of introduced this idea of like, you know, feminists are said often told that they're like ruining places because we're bringing up racism or sexism or homophobia or cissexism or whatever. And then our next episode, we were, we wanted to sort of like say, actually, who's ruining what? You know, are the feminists ruining things or is it? And in that last episode, it was people who try to force transgender people to go to bathrooms they don't want to go into. Um, And so we want to bring that back. So we want to bring back this segment, Who's Ruining What? And, uh, you know, Melody and I aren't ruining family dinners, rather. And Melody, who's your pick of the week? Actually, I was going to talk about the transgender bathroom thing again. But uh, (laughs) uh, Donald Trump is always ruining everything. He's a horrible person. I just wanted to say that again. Yeah. Um, he should not be getting any airtime. He should not be a presidential candidate. It's horrible. Um, but he seems to be losing steam. So hopefully that'll be done with. And uh, I have a lot of my friends are like asking off work already so they can be home for the Republican National Convention so they can watch things implode. Yeah. So but I did want to talk about actually um, the transgender bathroom thing again, but from a different angle. So okay. um, through this podcast, actually, I've had some really great conversations with people about this issue. But one thing that I've noticed is the organizing strategy is for white male legislators to kind of encourage other people, especially mothers, to promote this idea that having this bill, like the reason why we need to ban transgender people from using the bathroom of their choice is be, or, you know, the bathroom that they need to use or however you want to phrase it. Um, is because uh, regular old straight men will go in and pretend to be a woman and then, like, right. assault your child. Right. And so that's what we have to be fighting against now. And there's yeah. this amazing blog post that we will link to in our blog. But the crux of the argument is this a woman saying, like, stop using me as your scapegoat for this bill because I am mm-hmm. not a scare. I'm not scared of transgender people in the bathroom, you know? So right. stop. And it is, it's really a fake fear. They're, they're, they're literally 
constructing a fear and a problem that does not exist. Totally. Oh, like 100%. Like 100%. But I still have people contact me and say, and rightfully so, it's not, it's not on them at all, but they're like, but you know, these mothers, you know, what, what if a transgender person goes into the, and I was like, okay, listen, number I'm um, speaking as a cis, uh, cis woman, you know, I know some of my trans friends, they say that they tell me that they go into uh, single stall bathrooms because they are aware of the uncomfortableness that some people seem to like convey when they mm-hmm. go into bathrooms so if they don't feel like they pass they try to find single stall bathrooms you mm-hmm. know that is one experience i've heard also from our own minneapolis police department the spokesperson has said multiple times when this issue has come up in the past that um there is no cases on record of this happening of men going into oh, a yeah, bathroom no. and right. claiming that um, claiming that, oh, well, they're trans, so they're allowed to be in here. Right. And, like, so it doesn't actually, this problem doesn't exist. It's like voter ID fraud. It's like, it's not even, yeah, voter fraud. Like, it it doesn't exist. Right. I know. I know. Oh, I hate Republicans. It's not, I, 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 I know. It's completely enraging. And I do want to say, I mean, I want to, like, it's not just Republicans. Yes, it is mostly Republicans who are trying to pass this law. But I just want to say, like, transphobia like runs across the two party system, but um, you're right. Thank you. But, uh, but yes, in terms of legislation, I think that's true. And yeah, I just think it's, it goes back to this, um, this naive belief that, and this goes into the sort of argument of the Dean, Dean Spade book that I mentioned on air before, um, when he talks specifically about the, the limits of the law, which is part of the title and I'll link to the book again, but this idea that, a law makes people who would do something like assault a young girl in a bathroom, like that some, for some reason that because trans people aren't allowed to go into bathrooms now, that those people who would assault young girls in bathrooms somehow wouldn't go into bathrooms. But all of a sudden, because trans people go into bathrooms, they like, they would suddenly go in there. Like it's this, this completely absurd notion that these like laws documented on paper, like stop, really violent crimes from happening which is just like one million percent true not 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 true rather um do you know what i mean does that make sense like oh totally people people don't not rape people because it's illegal like people don't not murder people because it's illegal like it's i mean maybe some people don't do that because it's illegal but usually when those things happen like people aren't like oh i'm gonna have this rational logical moment when i remember that oh, this is actually illegal, so I'm not going to do it. So, like, saying it's legal for, do you know, does that, does that make sense? That's not too tangenty, is it? Does that make sense what I'm, how I'm connecting that? Yeah, and I would just add to that that right now, trans people can use whatever bathroom they want to, right? There's no laws. Right. Anyways, how would you police that? But so because we, across the country, all people can use the bathroom that, you know, aligns with their gender, you would think that we'd have all these reports of right, right. So it is legal right now, as it should be for people to use the bathroom they want to. There's there's no problem. There's no problem. So I don't understand right. then how banning, like right. we need to ban people because otherwise this will happen. It's like even no, though right now it's already you're already going to the bathroom with trans people like all the time. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. It's absurd. It's absurd. 
I know. Legislation's absurd. But I will um, <sighs> I will say I'm glad that, you know, people have been talking about it with me mm-hmm. and it's it's just people are misinformed and, and I think if you think through it, I mean even my own father who like is very um welcoming of all sorts of he just he gets it but when you're a parent and you read these arguments about you know your child's safety right a parent is going to be like child safety first you know and they don't the rationality goes away you know which i i'm not a parent but i can under it's like dad really what happened to you like let's reel it back here let's you know um (laughs) but parents man that argument is is powerful. Oh, yeah, the children are, you, you know, pr- protecting the children argument is just like has been such like a vile tool against LGBTQ people for as long as, you know, forever. So, right. It's, it's and gross. If and if you're worried that your child is going to freak out because they see a trans woman and I don't even know why the fear isn't about trans men, but the fear is trans women. It's misogyny. But OK. Yes. OK. So um, then this is an opportunity for you to teach them about different gender identities and performances. That's uncomfortable to teach, maybe, depending on where you're living. But, um, like, it's an opportunity for you to say, like, people look different. And this is one way in which, you know. So, I I mean, I don't know. know. It it must be very hard when you're in the suburbs and, like, you don't see lots of diversity around, you know. But, um, I don't know. It's no, stupid legislation, you. and I hope it all goes away. And it seems like a lot of governors are vetoing, but it's still it's like this moment in which we have to like really we have to like do this. We have to send letters. I'm like I will, but like it's like when they start to defund Planned Parenthood, it's like really I have to sit here and like I ask know. for my right to birth control and sh- I know, I know, I know. Yep. So we know who's ruining that situation. Still, it's not me. So if I come to your family dinner and I start getting all mad at you about thinking that don't, don't blame don't blame melody don't not, blame i'm me. not ruining it's, it's right. stupid legislators that are ruining right. it so right take yep. that uh, anyway shall we move on <laughs> yeah we're like blowing out our mic so hard this episode <laughs> um well it's kind of cool we have some kind of a lighter talk especially man last week was really heavy i felt like Oh my god! I had a big, I had a big cry session about after last week. Whew, that was intense. It was intense week, yeah. So I'm glad we're moving into some sort of just lighter, lighter fare. So do you want to sort of explain the inspiration for this little game that we're about to play? Oh yeah, we're gonna play a game with y'all. Um, I was reading Ann Friedman's uh, website. She has a podcast called Call Your Girlfriend, which I love. Which inspired me to work with. Well, it was Rachel's idea to start this podcast, but. These women are cool. Um, And she has a website and she has these pie charts where I wish I had one up so I could like explain it. But it's like on airplane, what am I currently thinking of? And it's like 65 percent like would the businessman move his damn elbow (laughs) and like, you know, 75 percent. When is my weed gummy bear going to kick in and like (laughs) all this, you know, just like silly stuff. But um, and then I was also thinking about this other podcast i listen to called oh yeah dude it's two cis white guys so um i don't recommend actually listening to it (laughs) but it's a very very popular podcast it was one of the first comedy podcasts out there and um they play games with each other on air a lot which is really fun like one of them they do is um one of them tells the other person three different 
he has to guess whether it's like a racing horse or a type of weed or something. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's like a strain of weed or yeah. a racing horse name. And it's just like so ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I don't know if our game's going to be all that fun, but I wanted to play this game called Things We Have in Common and Things We Don't. It's a really catchy, catchy game title. <laughs> it is. Um, I, it's not much of a game because we it's just like... It's like a listicle. Yeah. It's like a podcast listicle, but... Um, so um, I created the list so I can do the first one the first one we're going to go on a tangent about but then the rest of them i think we'll just list what if we work backwards then okay fine number seven we're both vegan i'm still still vegan vegan. i'm still vegan we both cheat sometimes but right let's talk about when we cheat well let's talk about real quick let's do our like why vegan stories when vegan and then we'll talk about how and why we cheat okay go okay i became vegan um my first year of my first day of of college living in Chicago I had practiced being vegan my senior year because I dated um this punk rock vegan uh like leftist activist kid um man he felt very old to me he was like 19 and I was like or he was like 20 and I was like 16 when we first started dating that's scandalous Um, it was pretty scandalous uh, but he like inspired me to try going vegan and really connected it to, I had already been vegetarian except I ate chicken and fish. So I wasn't actually vegetarian, but I didn't eat red meat. Um, but I, it was because of animals. Like it was like a cute, like, oh, cows and pigs are cute. So I hadn't eaten cows and pigs since I was like nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brian Wodachinsky, Brian, I don't think you're listening. You're not on Facebook. I haven't talked to you in years, but maybe, maybe you'll hear this. Um, he... He started talking to me about, you know, he's one of like my political roots and he and like my punk rock roots. And he was like, it's not just like it is about animals, but it's also about like labor rights and the environment and like da 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 da. And I was like, oh, my God, like I have to try this. And so I was like, when I moved to Chicago, my first day of college, it's it's this and I'm never going back. And that was, God, 12, 13 years ago, yeah. 13 years ago, almost at this point. Um so and so it and it is very much rooted in um compassion for animals, compassion for the environment and compassion for workers who get exploited in um farm uh factory farms. And um and uh it also has made me healthier cuz like I haven't I literally can't remember the last time I had fast food like it ever mm-hmm. because there's nothing to eat there and that's just would be gross. Mm-hmm. Um so I cheat w- mostly pretty much if there is a cookie at a party that is not vegan and it's free, I will eat a cookie cuz I really like cookies. Like I really like cookies and eggs don't like eggs in a cookie don't upset my stomach. Mm-hmm. I've never had like cheese or Scott, I have meat. Would I mean I would Ugh. never in a in a million years eat a piece of meat. But like I, I couldn't do cheese. I couldn't do eggs, like like plain eggs, like breakfast eggs. But eggs in a baked good, I can do that. And if I'm not giving my money to it, I'm like eh, all right. Oh, also butter at restaurants. I'll put on bread occasionally. Okay. So that's it. Cool. What about you? Yeah. Um, I became vegan same time like first year of college Mm -hmm. and I was in an environmental science class and we gave presentations at the end of the semester I did mine on deer hunting which I think set the tone for the rest of my life um in my old suburb that I grew up in 
they would um they would kill deer for uh population control Mm -hmm. which is not okay um in my world so anyways this woman um it was when meet your murder first came out this Mm -hmm. video this behind the scenes video of factory farms and this was before technology was advanced and so she was like playing it on a laptop and the Mm -hmm. quality just wasn't very good but then a week or two later i was at a punk show and this is when punk shows like they would have a like a pita, not even a pita person, but some like vegan would always oh, totally. show up to every punk totally. show and play the meat, <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> meat is murder um, video. Oh my yep. God. Memories. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> so punk, you know, punk dude playing this video and I actually saw it, you know, in high def, whatever that. Mm-hmm. And it was, I couldn't even, I was like, I yeah. just saw this and I, I am never eating meat again, ever. Like, this is horrible. I had no idea. And I think, honestly, if every very important video in my life, I stopped eating meat right away. And then I thought, I was like, oh, wait, but I'm a hypocrite if I eat cheese and eggs, too, because it's from the Mm -hmm. same system. So then I just cut that out. And we, you know, Rachel and I went vegan way before it was, like, a thing. Like, you didn't Mm -hmm. get, like, eight kinds of vegan meat like at your grocery store and like at my dad where my dad lives in a suburb there's like vegan sour cream and soy milk mm-hmm. i mean uh-uh like slim oh, pickings do you remember when like a non-dairy milk was just like the one random thing you had to find in that like weird aisle and it wasn't and it was like, yeah. sketchy. like it's so bizarre anyway sorry i keep interrupting you no 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 it's fine so that's my vegan story um and then oh well also i will say that like the hardcore punk scene um, was filled with like skinny, cute vegan boys. And so mm-hmm. that was, I, I should be honest that that was like part of the catalyst too. I was like, uh-huh. oh, he's vegan. I'm vegan too then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it stuck with me. It clearly wasn't like a, um, like a trying to get boys thing. Right, right. I mean, it was, it was part of the allure, but totally. obviously stayed with me for a long time. Totally. Um, and then the ways in which I cheat are shitty cheese pizza. I eat oh, it really? sometimes. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't upset you. I mean, do you get it? It does. It does. Okay. Yeah. But like, um, it's like something that I ate as a child. And so it's really nostalgic for me. Yeah. Um, I also at one point like flirted with eating eggs cause I'm, I get hungry a lot. I have very high metabolism and it mm-hmm. just annoys me. So I was like, I'll try eggs, but it grosses me out. Like I just, yeah. I even got the fake, they make vegan eggs now with, yeah, from the veganase. It's just like. It's just like eggs. And it's yeah. like almost, you know how sometimes fake meat is like almost too real and you're like, oh, yeah. I can't. I can't. No, yeah, no way. So I don't, don't do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Number six, tattoos. We had a whole episode on it. Do we need to say much more? No. What episode number was that? Uh, two. Episode two. Listen to episode two if you want to know more about our tattoos. Yeah, we have them. Next. Number five, liking Bieber. Justin Bieber. (laughs) I like that that made the list. Mel made this list. And, well, I made those last two. But, um, yeah, I like that you like Bieber enough to make it on the list. Yeah, well. Do you think you put it down because, like, people would maybe be surprised that we like the Biebs? No, I put it down because you were happy that I got on the Bieber train. So I wanted to acknowledge that that is now something we had in common. That was not always okay. true. Great, but I'm also fascinated by the reason, because my partner also is really into Bieber now. Mm-hmm. They have uh, it. admitted to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, 
this proves that Justin Bieber has this amazing marketing strategy that it was on purpose that they wanted to get this. We're not his target demographic. We weren't before. Right. But he expanded his brand to which, you know, by getting Diplo and Skrillex and all these like cool DJ producer people to do his songs. Um, it was a move for him. And (laughs) the reason why I even like gave Bieber a chance is because the New York, the New York times did a video with him and Skrillex and Diplo about how he made one of his, one of his songs. I love you. I love you the most. That one. Yeah. So good. (laughs) Yeah. I was on my knees when nobody else was praying. I love that line. Ugh, Biebs. Yeah. Yes. Great songwriter. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I agree. So keep going. I mean, yeah. So, that, so anyways, the- he's just yeah. like, he's a pop star and I like his songs, but it's also just fascinating to watch him as a media critic and like, you know, I'm always analyzing everything. So totally. Can I say one other thing? Why though that like, I don't think this was actually calculated. This was just queer people on the internet being amazing is that I don't think Justin Bieber means to look like a soft butch lesbian. But he does. Well, okay, yes. there was a Tumblr before Tumblr was even... I don't even think it was a Tumblr. I think it was just like... It was like fucking somebody's live journal or something Mm -hmm. where they made like a lesbians that look like Justin Bieber. I remember that. And it was just... Yeah. And like... And and it's so true. Like I'm like strongly attracted to him mostly because I think he looks like a soft butch woman. And like I love that. And so he has this like big queer appeal too. Yes, I think that, but that's separate from, that had been going on before he did this new. Did this new stuff, that's true, yeah. So. But I'm just saying another element. Of, yes, of what, of yes. That's all. That part yeah. was not calculated by any means, no. Right, yeah. The queer reading. But you're right of, about the other stuff. Yeah, okay. Cool. All right. Number, Number four, four, yoga. We both do yoga. We're going to do an episode on it, so. We'll do a whole episode, but we can just. Yeah, we let's. Well, you want to just bracket that? We'll yeah, come back namaste. To okay, namaste. All right, <laughs> number three. <laughs> Wait, hang on. I'm gonna do a timeout. Why does everybody laugh at me when I say like yoga teachers laugh at me when I say namaste? Why do they laugh at you? I don't know. Like when I went to the party the other night, I was like, "Yo, namaste!" Like just as a like, just as like a funny like haha joke. But I don't want people to like laugh at me. Like I want them to smile. But they, like, think it's, like, like nobody's ever said that to them out in public, casually. Do you know what? Can I just tell you a quick story? I was, at, I, was t- I teach today. I teach two, two classes at the studio, at the yoga studio today. Uh-huh. And this guy comes out of the yoga studio, and he said, I figured I should come out into the, into, like, the, uh, like, the, fo- like, the um, lobby instead of, what did he say? He didn't say bitch. He said punching a, he said something not nice, punching a, something in the like a woman he might have said woman I don't remember it was some other like name punching a woman in the face for not being quiet in the yoga studio and I was like uh yeah that was probably the better move and then he laughs and he goes namaste and I'm like as in like you know I'm being peaceful so I'm gonna say namaste instead of talking about potentially assaulting a woman in the yoga studio I was like what um, so it's, it is this funny, like people think it's this funny tagline. Cause you see it on t-shirts, like, like, uh, like I can yeah. fuck a bitch up namaste. It's like, what? what? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that exact t-shirt, but do you know what I mean? Like people say like, haha, I'm going to say something really violent and awful. 
namaste. Oh, so you, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, I feel I like I see that on, I see that on yoga t-shirts. I get a lot of yoga ads on my Facebook because Facebook thinks it knows what, knows what I like, but I don't like those t-shirts. Um, yeah, I don't know, Mel. I don't know why people laugh at you. I'm sorry. I just, I'm not trying to be like that funny. I'm just trying to say like, yo, no, my light <laughs> recognizes your lighter. Anyways, right, right. For yeah, another time. We'll, we'll talk okay. about it next, another episode. Okay. Okay. Number three, trying to be the most righteous activist we can be. It's true. Do you want to, what do you want to say about that? I don't know. We should talk about it later. I'm just deferring <laughs> this to later. Okay. Um, Cause sometimes it's uh, my therapist told me that I sound exhausting. She's like, doesn't that, isn't that exhausting trying to be like the perfect ally all the time? I'm like, well, I know, yeah. but it, isn't it exhausting to be an oppressed person? I mean, and I feel like, you know, we, we cross over those categories as women, as you know, in different, different ways, but even being oppressed or being an ally is, is exhausting. But when I, when I want to be a super righteous activist, it's like, well, that's like half the energy that it takes to be a person of color in the world every day. Like, do you know what I mean? I do. I'm with you. Yeah. I anyway. just want to acknowledge that. It is exhausting, yeah, totally. but it is exhausting, yeah. but it's part of our. It's because of the astrology sign that I identify with, which we will talk about, right? Which we'll get to in a moment. Okay. <laughs> foreshadowing. Go ahead. You do number two. Number two, partnered bachelors. Um, so I think yeah, Logan I'm actually gonna... created this term, and I'm stealing it from him. So. Oh really? I didn't even. I didn't even know that. Um, yeah, remember when we were talking, um, I'll let the listeners in, we were talking about the crappy dinners we make because our partners aren't around. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Oh, right, on Facebook. And yeah. then I think he did, like, hashtag partnered bachelors. I don't know. Right. Anyways, yeah, that's, I was like, that is true. what we are. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess, I mean, I've been in this on-again, off-again relationship. It's on-again. I don't even know why I said that, but, yeah, it's on. So we're, <laughs> I, Edit. I, I, have this, I have this partner. Um, <laughs> Oops. Um, We're recording. This isn't like a personal convo. No, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, sorry, go. Um, so my partner um, <laughs> doesn't live in Boston. He lives in Michigan. And uh, so therefore, I live alone. Um, and he lives alone. And Melody's partner um, technically lives in Minneapolis, but is in Mexico. Hola. For a long time. Yeah, like six months. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, we've both been getting this, but uh, like people can't believe it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think both, I mean, you and I, another thing we have in common is we like kind of have non-traditional relationship setups right now, you know, mm -hmm. in many ways that we will not, you know, we don't have to like go into all the details. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, people are like, oh my God, how could, like, that's unbelievable. How could you survive without him for six months? And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm doing my own thing. Like, mm -hmm, we talk mm -hmm. and, like, our communication is great and stuff. But, like, we both like doing our own thing. Mm -hmm. So this is totally fine. Um, So it's interesting. Like, people are, tr they don't, when you're in a non-traditional relationship, people get really confused. And uh, judgy, but yeah. Yeah, and judgy, but they don't judge me because my face is like, don't judge me. So they're judging right. me, like, in their head, but... Right. Um, and it's weird for me to be like, it's great, because I think most people are expecting me to be like, I'm very sad, and I miss yeah. him, so, which I do. I, like, miss him, but, like, I don't cry myself to sleep every night and then, like, cry myself <laughs> awake, you know? It's like... Right. Um, I'm an independent person, and so is he, so... um. 
Anyways, yeah. he's just gone for temporary. I'm going to go see him in a couple weeks in Guatemala. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Maybe I'll do Yeah, I, I legitimately hate being long distance, but, um, you know, my time in Boston, um, when I've been at some parts of my time in Boston, when I first started out in Boston, kind of almost started out, you know, being actually single and like learning to be independent, like it's like a good growth period. And then even when you're partnered, but you sort of like feel single because you have to do shit on your own. Um, it's like, you know, you feel like, I think you can be totally 1 million, the best feminist in the whole world and like have a live-in partner and be married and whatever. Um, but, but, and also like, it also felt, um, I guess good to know that I could like take care of myself because prior to prior to Boston, I had lived with either partners or roommates. Um, so I had never lived alone and you know, it, it's, it's kind of powerful to like come home alone, do your laundry by yourself, do your groceries by yourself, sleep alone. Like there's something kind of powerful about that. Have cats say hello to you when you walk have in. Cats say, yeah. That's thank God for cats. Yeah. Cats. I'm fine because I have cats. Let's just Which be real. Which leads us to number one. Oh yeah. <laughs> that we're cat ladies. Yay. We love cats. Very obvious. Okay. We don't need to go into detail nope. about that. Nope. Okay. And reason number zero because I didn't feel like renumbering the list, was <laughs> we're both Aquariuses, which okay. in astrology land uh, is actually good. Or, I mean, like, sometimes two of the same sign doesn't work very well, but Aquariuses get along with Aquariuses really well. Totally. And why do you think that would be? Oh, shit, I was going to ask you that. Um, well, I can, I can give my reason. I mean, Aquarians are sort of known for being like really devoted Aquarian, like yeah. a super righteous activist, which is one of the yes. on our lists is like an Aquarian trait, like being mm-hmm. really passionate about social justice issues. Um, I think humanitarian is like the first word I read in like a horoscope yep. that I, when I was a teenager and being like, Oh, I identify with that. And being really committed to like, um, structural issues of oppression and, one of the things, though, and this is why our sort of rising signs and moon signs get important, is that actually Aquarians are supposed to be so committed to big picture injustice that sometimes they don't they don't actually tune into like small scale emotional kind of things and are a little bit detached. That's from... me, a hundred percent. Yeah, and so that's so that so that's interesting. Is that I mean, not you? It is me, except the one reason that, but I, as we discussed last episode, like I can also be very emotional, but if I'm in a conversation and somebody like wants to, I constantly bring it back to the bigger picture structural issues constantly. I'm like, fuck your, you know, your nonsense about X, Y, and Z. Like we're talking about capitalism or we're talking about this, like we're talking about this bigger structural issue and it is an injustice and I don't have time for like, I don't know. It is, it is like a righteousness where I'm just like, this is what this is all about. And uh, yeah, I'm less, I'm, I'm less emotive when it comes to my politics. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? The way I read that is that um, I'm so committed to social justice that I don't put much energy in interpersonal relationships. Like I'm too busy saving the world to have solid friendships and to have solid partners. And 
That's clearly not the case anymore, but that was the case for a long time. And I think still is, like, if it came down to it, you know, um, like, saving the world is of most importance to me, you know? And if I'm lucky that I have a partner that, like, feels the same way and, like, comes along with me on that journey. But if they didn't, you know, like, I remember I was listening to KMOJ, um, which is our black radio station here. And um, one of the questions was, like, what happens if your partner, like, isn't a Black Lives Matter activist, too? And I'm like, you dump them. Like, is that a question? Like, why would you even work that out? Like, if they're not with you on this? And so that's how I, I think that's how, that's how that works out in my life as an Aquarius. No, yeah. I, I, um, and this is why I think that maybe my, my rising sign and my moon sign matter a little more because I've, my interpersonal relationships are like super fucking important to me. And like, I, um, like, it's just, it's, they're very, very important to me. But when I'm with those people, they'll often be like, oh, here Rachel goes again, like talking about structural injustices and not like whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because I definitely think that describes me, but I definitely think I have this like feelings stuff going on below that makes me a little more person oriented. I don't know. Yeah. And I, um, just to interrupt you, I yeah. ran into a mutual friend of ours today and we were, this is how we got on this topic anyways. And, um, our mutual friend didn't even think that Rachel was an Aquarius because of all your feelings. That was like the thing. Interesting. Cause you're so but, feely that Aquariuses usually aren't, they're usually more cold, but right. yeah. And I can be sometimes totally. Like I can be, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to say that as like, no, no, I can be cold. I swear. Like, I don't mean to like say like, it's necessarily like an amazing amazing thing but but I definitely can be but I can also be very feelings like lot all the feelings yeah um so yeah so let's talk about let's just so I'm gonna really briefly so those are our signs so we're Aquarians humanitarians fighting for justice kind of detached individual not really caring about like the mainstream thoughts and status quo totally totally. counter hegemonic if you will yes indeed good term good term drop um so that's your sun sign and i'm gonna just sort of read these like short blurbs um from this website i found so there's your rising sign your sun sign and your moon sign your sun sign is what you probably grew up you know reading in 17 magazine if you did that or not (laughs) sassy Um, sassy magazine (laughs) sassy magazine um And so that's, so we're both Aquarians. And then there's your rising sign. And so that's like your personality. And then your rising sign, according to this website, is your filter through which you see the world. And your moon sign is like your needs, like your deep inner, your inner needs. So Mel, you, you pulled up both of our rising signs and moon signs. Do you want to talk about those? Um, I have a clarifying question. Yeah. Which is the one in which they, other people see you as, isn't it? Like that other people. That's the rising sign. So okay. That's like the wrap. There's another analogy on this website where it's like that's the wrapping paper. Uh huh. So that's what people see on the outside. Okay. I also didn't pull up your moon sign. I think I X'd out of it. So you can. I'll read that's, about our rising. Okay. I, rem- I think I remember. Okay. Okay. Or you can just like type it in and then yeah. I'll talk over your typing. Okay. So let's see. I'll do my rising sign first, which is Gemini. Okay. Do you know much about Geminis to begin with? I do a little bit because they're also air signs. So Aquarius, Gemini, and Libra are the air signs of the family. Okay. So, well, here, I'll just, I think reading some of this will 
uh, illuminate it. Um, so you spend, I spend lots of time asking questions and answering them. I'm very curious and quick-witted. Um, I like to solve problems. Um, so jumping around to solving problems and problems and problems. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I come across as nervous, expressive, lively, adaptable, with a good sense of humor. That's true. Bubbling, mm, playful, yes. Social, clever, whimsical, independent, intellectual, flexible. Wow. Ingenious, yeah. fanciful, imaginative, charming, cerebral. And you are into everything. I am. Um, <laughs> I may be unfocused, quirky, opportunistic, selfish, sarcastic. I'm not sarcastic. Mercurial. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm no, just kidding. You're, not. you're actually pretty literal. I'm pretty sarcastic. Are you kidding me? I mean, I make yeah. sarcastic jokes all the time. You don't get them I half the time, but. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, not in a mean way. Just like, I'm kidding, Rachel. Because I'm so right. dry. I have dry humor. You are. You're very dry. That's what it is. You're not literal. You're dry. Like it's I'm dry. dry. It's dry humor. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> it's like, Rachel, I'm kidding. You're not the same. So it's like, it's which true. is great. That's a thing we don't have in common. Yeah, we have that list going to do. It's like, Rachel doesn't get half my jokes. (laughs) What does a mercurial mean? M-E-R-C-U-R-I-A-L. I I don't know. Probably has something to do with mercury. I don't know. Okay. That's not helpful. Let's let's not talk about that next. Okay, I just, that's what I am too. So. Okay. I have a PhD and I don't know what that word is. (laughs) Okay, it's like astrology language. So I come off as a Gemini. That makes sense. You apparently come off as a Capricorn, which is the sign behind mine. Okay, read about, I don't actually know what, I know, I know a couple of Capricorns. Okay. Um, Um, This is weird. Okay, so your psychological nature is introverted and cold, totally controlled Mm -hmm. and phlegmatic, at least regarding the image you project. You I seem feel like that's not true. Well, let me keep going. You seem unemotional and austere. You are slow but very thoughtful, solid and balanced. You are as curt as you are cold. I think this is me. <laughs> I'm more this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I feel like that's not me. Okay. I don't know if I agree with my rising sign. Yeah, let me let me read more of the like the list. Serious, cold, disciplined, patient, focused, thoughtful, ambitious. Cautious, persistent, introverted, stern. No, that you're too happy and nice for all this stuff. Honest, loyal, <laughs> quiet, <laughs> attached, attached and reliable. Ah, I feel like this is not me. That's not you. It's not me. Okay, astrology, you win in some ways, but not always. Are, are you sure you were born at the time you were born? I mean. I'm pretty sure. What if the doctor <laughs> lied? Like, and it's screwing everything up. I can text my mom right now. Did I arrive <laughs> at 7.07 a.m.? Anyway, keep going. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so my moon sign. So this is the way I feel inside. So my rising sign is what people kind of see me as, what I project. But I feel inside to be a Scorpio, which is disconcerting because I don't get along with Scorpios. Well, they crash. No wonder. I mean, I like am attracted to Scorpios. Personalities. Yeah. I mean, I am initially attracted to Scorpios because of their passion. 
So I cling on to them. But then when I realize then I'm like, oh, you are a little too much. And then I like step like seven steps back. Um, Mm -hmm. So that would be intense, devoted, wait, purposeful and persevering, likes everything that is strong and powerful. That's true. Mm -hmm. Hates being exposed or overpowered. Yeah, that's totally me. Mm -hmm. Um, So really intense. And I do feel like really intense inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, limitless energy. That's totally me. Passion mm-hmm. towards food or sex, money, work, power, drugs. Sure. That's me, I guess, in my 20s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so could have uh, destruct- destructive lifestyles if not kept under control. That makes sense. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a really intense, strong person. Yeah. So, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So my moon sign says that I'm uh, a Pisces, but I just want to make a note that I was misinformed that I, somebody read my chart once and said I was a cancer, I think rising. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense because I have Mm. so many emotions Mm. all the goddamn time. Like that's all I do in therapy is talk about my fucking emotions like constantly and which I guess most people do, but like I like cry in therapy like every, every week. Um, and I just have a lot of feels. Um, so but maybe that you should just own that then. Identify as cancer part, rising. Part of me does. I, and this is what's, I think, cool about astrology. And I'll talk about, because I'm technically a Pisces moon. And Pisces are kind of emotional. They're emotional too. They're, um, they're, they're feelings. But what I want to say in relation to, like, think, I, thinking I was a cancer is that, like, there's this good, there's, there's a great articles about, like, why queer people are drawn to astrology. And it's like, mm. it doesn't have to be. Um, and I'll give Logan some credit for, for this too, because we were just talking through this, but it's like astrology isn't capital. It doesn't have to be capital T truth. And that's part of the appeal. And that's sort of like queer mm, theory and like mm-hmm. queer identity. It's like, it's just like you find something and like, you're looking for this thing to help you express yourself more. And so like I started reading, um, not only Aquarius horoscopes, but also cancer horoscopes because I thought that was my rising sign. Mm. And I have found so much identification in these cancer horoscopes and they've served me. Do you know what I mean? They've like totally. really served me because like I was looking for something to help me understand all my feels, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that's fine. Like, I think that's fine. And I actually generally started to, my two favorite astrologists are Chani Nicholas and um, Galactic Rabbit. And she has a name and I forget what it is right now. Madam Clairvoyant. No, no. Madam Clairvoyant is another one. She's oh, amazing okay. too. But, um, just, so those are confused. three. Madam, we're, we'll post them all. Madam, okay. and they're all ladies. Madam Clairvoyant, um, Chani Nicholas and Galactic Rabbit. And I've just got started to read all of them now because there's beautiful things in every single one of them. And it's just like, what's going to speak to me the most today? And honestly, Aquarius usually does speak to me the most. Mm-hmm. But ever since I found out or thought, incorrectly thought that my rising sign was cancer, I was like, oh, like, I this makes sense. Like, I'm so many feels on the inside. But so, I mean, I could read Pisces stuff to you, but honestly, I don't think it matters. I just sort of want to throw that out there like like this idea that like astrology serves the purpose, um, even if it's not fact. Do you know what I mean? I do. I like your interpretation of that. Yeah. So, so cool. Um, yeah. And I, and I also just think it, and we can talk about this more in maybe our yoga episode, but it just feels like part of my like spiritual practice, I guess, since I don't like identify with any like 
I guess I, I mean, I identify very closely with Buddhism, but I don't like go to like organized religious services or something, but, you know, reading my horoscope and like being reflective and meditative on how I'm feeling emotionally and spiritually and how my body is in relation to the universe. It feels like a very spiritual sort of practice. That's very woo-woo of you to say. It's so woo-woo of me to say. I know. I know. I was in a uh, anti-racism, or what was it? Uh, how to make an organization less white supremacist-based, I guess, training. Mm -hmm. And um, the facilitator's like, I'm going to have to get woo-woo with you for a second. And I just <laughs> snapped, snappies on that, because I was like, yeah. oh, somebody yeah. else uses my language. Yeah, that's great. I like the woo-woo. Yep. Totally. I'm not discrediting what you say. I'm just saying it's woo-woo. That's all. No, it's super woo-woo. And honestly... Um, My cold black heart thinks it's very woo-woo. <laughs> you should read Galactic Rabbit's um, Aquarius Horoscope today because it's, it actually talks about cold black hearts specifically. Oh, great. Okay. I have um, one. Yes. <laughs> um, but there's actually so much more of that in, like, new activist communities, I think. Is it is. Yes. Like, healing and self-care and yes. woo and a lot of the old left doesn't love it nope. but um but it's a very feminine I have to say if we're gonna like I don't want to like resort to like gender binaries and talk about some sort of quote-unquote feminine quality but it is it is a very um non-masculinist mm -hmm. approach to change making mm -hmm. yeah so that's our long rant on astrology. Do we want to do our list of things we don't have in common? Yeah, we're almost out of time, so we'll just do it quick, which is probably good because these are not good things, but we'll talk right. about this stuff in the future. Yeah. We'll go backwards. Okay. No, Where I want to go. Live? Oh, okay. Oh. Okay, we don't live in the same city. The end. <laughs> we used to, and now we don't. And it's, and it's sad. sad. It's sad, frowny face. Our lives would be so much more enriched. Well, I mean... I think we do a really good job of having a long distance friendship. We do. And this podcast really helps it. And I'm so grateful for it. I mean, yeah. people are like, I love your new podcast. I'm like, thanks. My favorite part is that it means I get to talk to Melody every week. But yeah, yeah cool but we did. We put in a lot of work. I mean, it takes a lot of work to maintain a friendship. You got to like call each other. It does. You got to make phone dates. Um, totally. Because it's so totally. easy to. No, we've done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm grateful. Okay. Um, cool. All right, number three, our class backgrounds. I'm from a middle to upper class background. And I am from a very working class background. Yes, and although, I, oh, sorry. No, just that I appreciate that you are, like, super, like, self-reflective about that, but also you also have, like, kind of a complicated parent situation, I feel like, if I can say that. Yeah, I was okay. just going to say that. Well, no, I wasn't going to say that yeah. specifically, but, like... Um, it's a weird space for me to be in because we grew up, I was in really nice schools and like, that is a privilege that I have. Um, I got really good educations cause we lived in really nice places, but, um, we, but I also got the message that we never had any money. So mm -hmm. we were always scrambling for money and like made, made to feel bad that we wanted things cause we didn't have any money. So it was just mm -hmm. a weird dynamic to like be living in a really nice house surrounded by people who have money. And then being told that we don't have any. And we didn't have any. I mean, it's a long right. story as to why we didn't. But, like, 
we didn't we didn't have money. So it was like that is a very working class from what I understand, you know, mm-hmm. paycheck to paycheck fights about money. Like that's not usually something people with a lot of money mm-hmm. like deal totally. with. Right. Um, so it's yeah, it's, it's weird. But I definitely, definitely benefited from being in those spaces, middle to upper class. Also, I yeah. never want to go back to those spaces. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's my class right, background. Right. Yeah. All right. Number two, our feelings about high heels. I love this. Um, so Mel, you, I want you to know that I wear like way less. And I, honestly, it started in Minneapolis too. Um, just cause I just literally, I physically can't wear the amount of high heels that I wish I could wear. Um, in terms of like, as like amount of time that I want to be in them. Um, cause my knees just aren't what they used to be. Uh, but I do love them a lot and I often bring them places like I'll wear flats and then change into heels because I just fucking love them I love how they look I love how they feel I mean kind of they hurt sometimes but I love walk I love I love how I feel like I move in them I love how they look I do love them I'm also literally 411 and 3 quarters and you are literally what 5 9 5 8 and a half. 9 I know I know. <laughs> so that's a thing. I understand. But I grew up understanding my mom didn't wear heels. She always, and she's not all that tall. You know what I mean? Like my mom actually, like she performed femininity in a very unique way. Okay. Um, it did not include high heels by any means. Okay. Um, but also like I took feminism classes in college in which like I was instructed that the high heel, I think it was John Fisk that talked about how the high heel is a tool of the patriarchy and he like breaks it down I was like yes that is so true I like threw away all my high I used to have high heels you know I like threw them away yeah and yes also I'm tall so like I can say that easily and be like I don't need them but so that was I have a very strong opinion about that in which we will elaborate on in another podcast have an episode about fashion but one of our first fights was about um this exact issue Yes. So it's clearly something we don't have in yes. common. But I still love you, Rachel, even if you wore high heels you, every day. I love day. you too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just All saying. Right. All right. And number one, our feelings on gluten and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> because I will eat like three bagels in one day and you don't even eat gluten, right? Anymore? I, I don't remember the last time I ate a bagel. Like, I literally don't even, I don't have a recollection of the last time I ate a bagel. I will say this. When I lived in Minneapolis, I was um, what I would, like, legitimately identify as orthorexic. I was obsessed with, at least by year. Honestly, Mel, when we lived together our first year, I wasn't quite as into this. But I did my first, like, cleanse my second year in Minneapolis, and I became obsessed with um, health food, which mm-hmm. you think you would think maybe as a vegan, you would already be obsessed with that, but you're not. Cause there's like a, no. a lot of vegan junk food. Oh, let me um, tell you, I can tell you, I can give <laughs> you the vegan junk food <laughs> diet. Yeah. Good on um, it. and to be truthful, like I do feel way better when I eat very limited gluten and very limited sugar, but there were points of my life um, in Minneapolis when I had like zero gluten and zero sugar and because I was like obsessive about it in a really unhealthy way. And now I will, like I had a piece of bread tonight. I had a piece of sourdough bread, which has a little less gluten than other, than other things. And I've eaten real, I eat real sugar more. I tried, I don't buy real sugar. Like I bake with coconut sugar and, um, agave, but it's still like, it's still fructose, whatever. I mean, it still spikes your blood sugar levels, but 
yeah, I do. I feel my veganism. I am. I am invested in health. Um, I'm invested in healthy eating, and and that's partly because, you know, I'm physically active and I like feeling good. But but I'm a lot more flexible than I used to be. So I will say that. That's good, and I agree that you do. I do feel a lot healthier. Yeah. When I eat like all veg, like I had vegetables and tofu and rice for dinner, and I was like, oh, I feel so good. But right. but I'm glad. Thank you for like saying that about your past eating oh, yeah. habits and. Oh yeah, I used to worry about you, so I'm glad that things are good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, it's a lot. It's a lot better. It's a lot better. Yay! And it's one of those things where, like, because I struggled with eating disorders when I was younger, and it's like, there when people like are like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" It's like it doesn't help, you know. Not to like get into this whole conversation, but I'm glad that like you found that and like recognized that in yourself because that's Mm -hmm. what creates change inside of you. Yeah, totally. Namaste. Woo woo. Namaste. That's, <laughs> that's actually like truly an amazing transition to our feminist pick of the week. So are we ready for that? Are yeah, let's go. Okay. That is like the best transition ever because our feminist pick of the week is my, my choice this week is the rise and resist podcast, which is hosted by, um, Lacey Davis and Holly. I actually don't know Holly's last name works. Maybe I think maybe Holly works anyway. Um, Lacey and Holly uh, host this podcast called Rise and Resist, and I could probably have an entire episode about how amazing Lacey Davis is, and Holly's amazing too. I've just known Lacey. I actually know Lacey personally and um, have followed her blog and her and her podcast now and her just being her friend, but um, Rise and Resist is a feminist uh, fitness vegan podcast where these two feminist women who are fucking badass talk about um talk about largely they focus on like fitness and exercise and healthy living but they do it through this like feminist lens that's incredibly body positive and and also incredibly like pro vegan in these ways that you don't you don't really get that combination of things and Lacey in particular has been like Holly too but um Lacey really kind of like started her career on just like being a crusader against um, like eating disorders and body dysmorphia and all of these things that um, most women in most people who are socialized as female and also people outside of that category, um, many people outside of that category, but largely almost all women who people yes. who are socialized as female experience um, hating their body for some reason yep. and having some weird not I don't want to say weird but some. Um, relationship to food that's unhealthy and Lacey like truly I mean her her blog and her podcast like truly helped me on a daily basis in terms of getting through those moments when I feel like I'm slipping back into some really really destructive I mean I had I had an eating disorder I mean the first time we can talk about an episode on this maybe but I made myself throw up for the first time when I was 11 and didn't really stop on a regular basis until like a few years ago Um, so it was a long, long, long relationship with pretty destructive eating disorders. And, um, honestly, Lacey is one of the reasons that I'm like in the place that I'm in right now. And the podcast is so cool. It's so feminist. They're also like super punk rock and they're tattooed and they talk about snacks that they're eating every week. And they talk about, they have great question and answer stuff. So you can like submit questions to them and they'll talk about the questions on air um, they talk about imposter syndrome. They talk about 
um, like nitty gritty stuff like how to get protein, which is like a you know a question that everybody asks vegans. They talk about how to like get started in a workout routine. They like speak to every level of people in terms who who just want to like have who just want to feel like stoked on life, and they talk about how to feel stoked on life maybe through fitness, maybe through healthy eating, but then they also talk about like how much they love donuts. Like they're so, it's so refreshing to hear people who are so physically motivated, they power lift, they lift, they go to cross, you know, they crossfit, they lift weights with dudes, and they also like eat donuts and listen to punk rock and are feminist as fuck. And they're just so cool, and I listen to the podcast every week. I think they release their episodes on Tuesdays as well. And I just get so excited um, to listen to every episode, and it just, like, makes... It's such a positive influence in my life. It's so amazing to listen to things like that and surround yourself with media like that. that, Yes. You know what I mean? Like, and I follow them on Instagram, and I stopped following other people on Instagram. Yes. Gave me my body. And I was like, because they're just so strong and amazing, and I'm just like, oh, I love them, and this makes me feel good about, like... This makes me feel good in my body because I just want to like just be feel good about myself the way they feel good about themselves, and it's just so cool and so inspiring, and it just makes the world so much better when you fill your brain with posy punk rock feminist awesome women. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. They're amazing. That's my feminist pick of the week. Rise and resist. We'll link to it. Subscribe to them. They're they rock. Yeah, and I think you make. A really good point that we will revisit but like if i could get my young women female identified students to do anything it's like to put away the cosmos like i want to go through and do like an audit of their media it's like mm-hmm. get rid of the cosmos and i tell them this myself i'm like when i pick up cosmo i feel like i need to buy blush and mascara and i don't wear mm-hmm. makeup you know that mm-hmm. shit is powerful even i mm-hmm. get fucked up from it so -hmm. like stop doing that stop following all these like imperfect or like impossibly beautiful women you know it's just Mm -hmm. like what you Mm -hmm. just said you have to now you know because we're in the social media age we can curate our media consumption we can totally a lot easier um and so and i do that every once in a while like i purge people that like it's like you know what this person's not making me feel good about myself so i'm gonna like unfollow them you know it's really easy but um i think what you said is so important about choosing the right media and it really makes i do believe that media can really impact your brain totally totally yeah we should yeah we should do a whole episode on that too but yeah that's feminist pick of the week um we'll end there any last words no we are we're over time thanks for sticking with us for so long cool cool all right um let's try you say the first part I'll say the second word. Okay. <laughs> WTF. Power. Oh, I love that. Nice. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Stop consuming animals. About being a gun and a different species of carnage Filled about the stockyards and factories of farm Still I know as well as anyone It's just less good than harm To be honest with a cunt and speak my lies You cannot
Avec ça 